1: You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show.
2: All right, welcome to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Professor Trent Nichols, Diamond Dave Kaplan, and the inimitable Robert Ricky in the house. No Brandon Atkins. He's on the DL. Uh, Disabled list? Yeah. What yeah. happened? I I don't know. I okay. still
0: think he's going to pop in here anytime now. Right. Like so When somebody sits in his seat. <laughs> he doesn't like that. He doesn't he take doesn't. kindly to that. He's like. Uh, um, what do you mean nobody's in his he's seat? He's like Tony Finau.
2: <laughs> oh, man.
0: He's like Tony Finau hitting the par three and twisting his ankle and then Dude, going out and
2: shooting Did you see the pictures of his ankle? It was awful. Oh, God. oh gosh. Sheesh.
0: I mean, if anybody. He had to throw that out there if anybody thought he was faking or whatever. Of course, yeah, if you saw video, you knew
3: he wasn't faking. Yeah. Did you see the photos I know, but I saw when he. Tw- I've twisted mine enough to know that was a bad twist <laughs> for him to bounce back. was crazy. He's got yeah. some toughness. He's a hockey player,
2: and and really made a made a heck of a run. My did. favorite thing about Tony Finau was hearing the story about him playing a skins game, being eight hundred dollars down, and ace in a hole. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was eight hundred dollars
2: down with twenty dollars in his pocket. And, and he hit uh, a hole in one. Hit a hole in one to what? make his money back.
0: Yeah.
2: They had that's to buy impressive. a lot
0: of drinks, though. So, so he probably ended up 800 down anyway. Yeah, but on the credit it, card. It is what it time. is.
2: But uh, that's gotta be a, a scary situation. So we're leading with golf today. The US Open concluded Brooks Kepka yeah. makes history. Boom. Yeah, and, pretty cool. You know, the difference between Kepka finishing first and second, and it was it was nip and tuck down the stretch. Kepka probably at this point is a Hall of Famer, just like that.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, he's uh, like the fourth player in U.S. Open history to go back-to-back. Uh, second one in modern history behind Curtis Strange, and it was pretty cool that Curtis Strange was on the call. I'm still not solid on the Fox coverage. Uh, the The microphone in the Cups are killing me, but other than that, I think they've gotten a lot better in a few years, and Curtis Strange does a pretty good job, and he was there to interview Kepka coming off the green, so that was Nice uh, nice twist and, and nice uh, parallelism there. The
2: microphone and the cups, I don't think the players are used to it yet. And, they, yeah. you know, they're definitely on a delay because the sound goes out constantly. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure that uh, – I don't know, man. It seems like um, – I don't know. It's unfair. You yeah. know what I mean? You're it, making it these guys look sick, bad. It sounds like you're playing Golden, like golden tea
0: though. Just da 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 You true. know, I don't know. You don't hear that when you're playing golf, I guess, so – but yeah, you get to catch a lot of conversation on the greens, and <laughs> that's pretty. Interesting. And there's
2: a lot of delay going on there. It, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Anyway, so what's your what are your observations about uh, what you saw this weekend, Dave?
0: My guess is all the conversation is going to be about Saturday in the golf course, uh, and it should be about Brooks Koepka. Um, dude played an unreal back nine. He didn't exactly hit the ball stellar. Um, but he got up and down. He was making the five-footers, and that was the difference. Nobody else was making them. And he was making the five-footers. And, and uh, you know, the USGA might want to examine, do they want a putting competition? Because that's what it's turned out to to be. If you're 40 or 50 feet from the hole, it was just – it was like 50% of the people were three-putting because they would trail out so far, get on the wrong side of the cup. And, and uh, so they've really turned it into a little bit of a putting competition. But – uh, so I, I think they're going to get unnecessary heat for Saturday. It got brutal uh, Saturday afternoon. But I do not think they anticipated the wind. But I don't think the weatherman called for the wind. But you're on the links course. I mean, the wind's going to blow when it's going to blow. And uh, they had that course burned out, and they probably would have watered it a lot more Saturday morning and Friday night if they knew the winds were going to pick up like
2: they did. Well, Zach Johnson was the first one to say that the course got away from the USGA. Mm -hmm. And he took a lot of heat. Here's my thing. I don't think these guys understand. There's not a whole lot of excitement in watching these guys plow around and get up and down. When they're playing these courses where there is no real penalty for getting off the fairway, you know these guys. These guys coming out there when they're winning tournaments at you know seventeen under and eighteen under. Does anybody really dig watching that? No. No. No.
0: Yeah, I, I think people like them struggling a little bit,
2: and they honestly, make more relatable. I, I'm not going to pretend that I've ever played a course that you know you walk out and you got a 624 yard par five, and then you follow it up with a 275-yard par three. Oh, the yeah. distances these guys have to play are, are next level. But when it comes to conditions, the things that these guys are crying about, brother, I can remember the last time I played a course that the greens were completely burn up on. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. you look at it and you're like, welcome we have- to the conditions most of us play in on a fairly regular basis. I'm not going to disparage any courses, but from time to time, you're going to go out there and you're going to play in those horrible conditions. And Dave, you've been around golf enough. I've seen courses as they get ready for PGA events, and not only are they coming in and making sure everything's perfectly manicured, but the you know, the preparations for those begin months in advance right. where they're taking special care. Well, that special care is not what we're getting when we go out there. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah.
0: Well, the, the interesting thing about the U.S. Open, and this happens quite regularly, is they will allow those greens to get burned up, and and when the greens do get burned up, they're fast and bumpy, terrible combination. Now Augusta has fast and smooth figured out. Golfers can figure that out at that level. Fast and bumpy, I mean, it's kind of hard to put on, and and you know. I, Props to Brooks Kepka for being able to make so many five- and seven-footers, but it gets tough to make a three- or four-footer when, you know, you hit a line and you know that if you if you plow it through it to keep it smooth and you miss, it's going five, six feet by. And so they just tap it up there and it's liable to hit a bump uh, uh, for whatever reason that's in the green and get offline, and then you've still got the same puck coming back from the other direction. and. You know, Phil Mickelson, he hit it past the hole. It talk, was like, talk
2: about lefty and what you think of, of <laughs> the statement that he was trying to make as he ran down there. And, and.
0: Well, I think he didn't want to go 80 yards back in the fairway and hit a wedge shot back up there, so he was just lazy. I mean, <laughs> but no, I think he was trying to make a statement that he'd take the two-shot penalty as opposed to going
1: down, having hit a wedge shot back up on the right level and then have the same putty just but, missed. Dave, in that moment, do you think he actually was like, "Oh, I got to go stop this and take a two shot penalty and do that"? I mean, I think it evolved in his brain because
0: if he was going to do it, why didn't he beat the ball to the hole and get it like one foot past yeah. the hole and do it kind of as a backstop, as compared to waiting to go ten or twelve feet past the hole before it was going to hit the ledge and, and go off the green? You know, I don't. I don't know. I think it was slightly. <laughs> my guess is
1: it was slightly premeditated. I don't know. I don't know how many of those guys actually know the rule that well. I think they just ought to – I don't know if it's – I don't know. You know, know. the last time I saw
0: that was years ago at Pinehurst. uh, And it was on the eighth hole, and it's typically a par five at number two. But uh, when they play the U.S. Open, they turn into a par four. And John Daly hit one and has a huge false front. Right. I, I remember, remember John that? Daly doing and that. He I kept sure hitting do. it up and it was coming down. Yep. Hitting it up, coming down. And he finally just whacked it with the putter when it was on the way down there. And
2: I remember that vividly. <laughs>
0: That's the last time I remember a professional golfer doing that.
2: I, I, I like it with with Lefty. I think it humanizes him a little
1: bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, he w- he knew. He was like, uh, you know, this thing's over for me and, and uh, now I'm going to uh, – yeah, do you I'm think just, he was I'm hoping to get disqualified
1: to so he didn't have to finish?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, nah, I don't think so. I mean, for him, it's, it's the one he's missing. So he probably had high aspirations coming into the week. That would complete the career Grand Slam for him. So it means a lot to him. It's our national open. And, and at that point, he had hit himself out of it. And Ricky Fowler did the same thing on Saturday. I mean, other than, he shot 81 on Saturday. Well, the reason why Dustin
1: lost – was his Saturday. putter went away. Yeah. yeah. Saturday it, and Sunday. Well, and I'll tell you, this is what he couldn't put. He had 36 putts yesterday.
0: And, yeah, and like 37 on, on Saturday. And he putted great Thursday and Friday. Yeah. No three putts. Ends up having six or seven three putts on the weekend. And I think, you know, he had the greens kind of figured out Thursday and Friday, and they changed. They changed on Saturday, and it, it ruined his touch. I mean, you could see he was deliberate. On those greens, and he's typically not that slow on the greens. So he was just unsure about it. His confidence
3: left him. Well, yeah, the USGA came out and said they botched it. Yeah. I'm so,
2: surprised that and, they said and, that, and, and that's rare. It is rare. I mean, they? they,
0: the they I mean, they back. changed they changed the course of the tournament. Yeah. Thursday's round, there was four sixty nines and a seventy, but the course was fair to everybody. Saturday, they should have had if, if they should have kept it a wet a little wetter, and I would have erred on the side of having too good of scores because they're not going to get so far away from you in the USA <laughs> versus having debacles all over the golf course. Yeah. And um, that's well, you love misery. I say, but you yeah, but, love misery,
1: Trent. No, but I say you you set it up the first day. It's different. You can't control the weather. Right. If it rains all the time, the greens are only going to soften up or whatever. You just do what you do normally, but if it changes, they have to adjust. These dudes make more money in a weekend than I do in my lifetime. I mean, Here's oh, well. The thing.
2: Here's the other thing that I think is, is underrated with this, too, is just the greens, they said they had cut them to a tenth of an inch. They had hardened... And all the fussing that was going on about that. What wasn't talked about much was the additional length these guys were getting. Oh, yeah. Out oh, on yeah. the fairway. And they a lot of them kind of put the driver away yeah, and were hitting hit these long, drivers. low irons because they were getting 100 yards with the run out yeah. of there. Yeah.
0: Well, and you talk about the length they play, and, and that course had a tremendous set of par threes. Those greens were super elevated, and they're hitting them from 240, 250. Yeah. But if you listen to them in conversation, whether it's into a long par – four or a long par three you'll hear them say how far to carry that bunker and they might say 170 and they're hitting a seven iron but they're hitting it 230. and you're thinking they're hitting a seven iron 230. they're only hitting it 180 in yeah the air.
2: and it, the, you know, the and run it, that was coming off right out right. on those fairways i've never seen anything like it that yeah, i can remember like
0: to your point it's nothing we're accustomed to playing so when you hear those yardages they're not they are hitting it further than us let's not kid ourselves but they're not hitting it that much further than us. The so what's conditions. the goal? Should
1: they try to keep everything the same it was the first day, all three days, all four days? No, I,
0: I think what they could have done on Saturday is if you play any golf course and you see a few pin positions during the round and you're like, hmm, boy, that, that's an interesting pin position. Well, they had like 18 of them on Saturday. Yeah. And so I think if they softened some of those pin positions and
2: softened the course
0: just a bit, I think that would have been fine for Saturday. Yeah, but I think to move the pin
2: placement, yeah, you know, as you, as you're looking at the okay. pins to move them a little bit closer to the green would have been, would have made it a little bit fairer. But the other piece of it too is uh, you said a lot of these guys are well they're you know, they're 40 50 feet away and they're three putting. A lot of that though was them being penalized because their approach shots were not strong enough. And and I love the fact that when these guys were off the fairway on a lot of those holes, they were buried.
1: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, you couldn't see it from the t- yeah, <laughs> I mean, know, from the television. Also, going into Sunday, how excited were you for that? I mean, look at the leaderboard. It. Who knew who was going to win?
3: Oh, I they, mean, they, they had, they, what, they four, guys four. four guys tied for guys first? At three ever, yeah. yeah, I mean – Ordinarily, I don't want to see a birdie fest. I would rather watch guys struggle because well,
0: I mean, when, struggle. When I, you do yeah. make a birdie, you know, it means yeah. that much more.
3: And I don't change my game based on conditions. Yeah. I suck yeah, well, either the way around.
0: A, <laughs> think about, think would, about Spieth and Tiger and Day. These are big names that didn't make the cut, but they were only a stroke or two off. If they were to teed off Saturday morning at 8-0. Big difference.
1: Yep. 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 See you on the other side. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring
2: victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research.
1: Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion. We need teamwork and momentum. The time to act
4: is now there's not a moment to lose
2: every dollar counts every day counts to find out how you can join us to defeat cancer please visit jimmyv.org welcome back to
5: from
2: the cheap all right welcome back we're talking a little bit about uh the u.s open we'll visit some basketball i'm sure at this point probably talk a little bit of world cup other than that who knows I don't. Yeah, we got to get that. LeBron watch.
1: That'd be cool. Oh, and we have our second segment of the – Yeah. What city would you – What did you call that? Cleveland
3: Landing. Yes. Yes, Yes, And we might
1: have to uh, add a kawaii to it. We have
2: to. I I will tell you that all weekend – and I don't want to pimp anything for the four-letter network, but I'm about to. (gasps) As I sat and watched golf this weekend, I spent (laughs) – hours on the ESPN trade machine, <laughs> hours literally <laughs> trying to come Coming up with the like, oh, oh, yeah, craziest, most it. creative things I could that actually might work. It's funny because I read a couple of articles and they were talking about the trade machine. And if anybody out there hasn't found their way to the ESPN trade machine, it is oh. awesome. It's awesome. It will validate trades for you, and it takes into account all the salary cap implications and all the rules for luxury tax and the rest of that. So, if you're like, "Well, you know, the, the Hornets ought to trade this for this," so you can go in there and validate and see if it's going to work. I wish that it would take picks and let you pl- plug yeah, those in that's there. The so one thing I, especially dislike. when you can, there's
0: a ton of variables. Oh, there are absolutely yeah, yeah, that's, that's are. That's that's algorithm it,
2: beyond. Here's the other thing too, though: is it's not just one team to another, you can do up to four teams in a trade. Oh, wow. And I actually was working on a trade this morning before I came (laughs) in, and I was trying to figure out how Charlotte could – I'll actually work the trade out during one of these, and and I'll read it off to you, and and you guys can tell me what you think of it. But the Hornets, as we move toward the draft, are really at loggerheads, and Kimball Walker's probably got as much value right now in terms of a trade piece as he's ever going to. Charlotte saddled with a couple contracts they want desperately to get rid of. Nicholas Batum being at the top of the list. I'm going to be very interested to see if Charlotte makes a move. Uh, there are a couple contending teams, including San Antonio, who really needs a point guard. I'm going to be interested if, to see if they parlay that into something. And I'm you, not suggesting that Kawhi is Charlotte-bound. Oh, I, I think they say. would facilitate this as a as
3: right, a, as a, a, third, a three, party. third party.
2: Now, what I was thinking... And I'll, 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 I'm will i just going to go ahead and tell you what I was working with. Here's my thing. Dallas is not afraid to ever make a move. Kawhi wants to go to Los Angeles. My feeling is that the Clippers or the Lakers have the pieces to make a deal for Kawhi with no problem. I'm not sure that what they have to give back to San Antonio is attractive enough. Right. Because of the, you know, if you look at, at the Lakers, you're talking about Brandon Ingram. Well, if, if Ingram is a four, that's really the best thing that San Antonio has. You know, what what value does Ingram have when you already have Aldridge? Yeah, that's the kind of thing. So I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, okay, well, if Dallas gets involved in this, um, maybe there's a way that Kimba finds his way to San Antonio, and Kawhi Leonard goes to L.A. And then the questions are what kind of pieces find them find their way back to Charlotte. The best scenario I had was Charlotte giving up Batum, Kaminsky, because I think Kaminsky would be an interesting piece out in San Antonio. That's kind of, you know, slow white guy they like to put in the middle and can, you know, find value with. Um, Kimba, Batum, and Kaminsky, and walking away with either Markel Fultz if you include Philly in this situation instead of LA or Harrison Barnes if you get the Mavs involved so it was complicated
3: no and you've got way too much time on your hands i got it have got actually i don't i just between I the band you're watching the time uh, he had he used it trade later. generator and uh, you you spent a lot of time tinkering
2: bricky i'm going to tell you that i can tell by your attitude you've not used the ESPN trade you know, machine.
3: I've only heard of it this weekend. Somebody mentioned it on the ESPN. I said, I've got to go check this thing out. But I had a busy weekend. And
2: Watching I, Better Call Saul.
3: Yes. <laughs> yeah, busy. I was. T- I got enthralled. And then we had a few beverages. And there you
1: go. That's I'm going to get on that That's how
2: weekends get away from me. Yeah.
1: I'm going to get on that trade machine and do everything possible to make sure that the King doesn't go to Boston. Oh, I've I worked Because you that. keep trying to send him to Boston, and I do not want it. And if you listen to The Ringer, Bill Simon's uh, podcast, his interview with Kyrie Irving. Yes. You definitely do not want to lose Irving. Irving is probably one of the – that was probably one of the most entertaining podcasts that I've listened to in a long okay. time.
3: So you base his value on a podcast interview?
1: Hell, yeah. <laughs> Here's my question. I like the, Kyrie better than LeBron <laughs> well, here, Here's as a my name Kyrie. Kyrie, the,
2: the question with Kyrie is whether or not he's in Boston for the long haul.
1: Well, send him to San Antonio and work to get Ky, uh, Kawhi what? over there. Well, that's a possibility, too. But and, then everyone's like, well, LeBron's going to go with him to Boston. I'm like, no, stop. LeBron, go to L.A. and die with the rest of the old guys. I'm going to tell you what, the more and more <laughs> I think about this Gary whole situation, yeah. uh,
2: I'm – I'm thinking it's less and less likely he leaves Cleveland. Just a gut
1: gut feeling. Can Kawhi get to Cleveland? Mm. That would be that would be the only the only way that miracle. happens.
2: Well, Cleveland's got a couple pieces. Got to lose Love and You've, Tristan. You don't necessarily you have to lose Tristan. both of them. The, the question is what value? Because San Antonio's not a team that's going to say, okay, we'll take some expiring contracts, we'll be a salary dump for you. Mm-hmm. That's not how they're going to do this. They're going to have to get real value. So the question is what pieces Cleveland has that have value that's attractive to San Antonio. And that really is questionable. Because Kevin Love, does he fit in San Antonio's system? Probably. But does he even – is he even a blip on the radar? Probably not. Mm-mm. So you have to get a third team involved in this situation or a fourth team. And that's where – that's a lot of what I was playing with was trying to figure out how that could work, how LeBron and Kawhi could Jazz wind up interview. with – Thank you. <laughs> could wind up in one place, whether it be in Cleveland, whether it be in L.A., whether it be all kinds of different things. I actually – I here's another thing I – worked on trying to figure out how Charlotte might be able to parlay Kimball Walker or, or excuse me how Minnesota might be able to get Kimball Walker away from Charlotte to take up there you've got a couple amazing pieces up there in Minnesota with Jimmy Butler Carl Anthony Towns you had a real point guard there in place of Jeff Teague now you've got something real interesting Kimball Walker's out there would Andrew Wiggins be enough to get Charlotte's attention? Michael Jordan says they need a star.
1: Well, what about Towns? So Towns Wiggins. is the
2: one that says he wants out. If you take Towns out of there and you send Kimball Walker up there, what you got is a nice backcourt. You're Portland at best.
1: Well, and you also got Butler that's going to be – that's An what I'm unrestricted saying. free yeah. agent next year. Who who knows if he's going to resign? Well, but,
3: I take towns for Walker uh, if, if I'm sharp. Well, wait,
2: wait a minute. Well, let's let's not have anything crazy attributed to us. Kimba well, for not? Carl That's Anthony what we're Towns. All about. We do this every week. Where well, have you, you been? There's so many things Kimba crazy attributed to Kimba Walker to Minnesota for Carl Anthony Towns is going to require at least two number ones to go with it. Which and. would be the eleven this year and probably the twenty twenty. Okay. Now, Towns the way is Charlotte a young guy. burns through number ones, she might as well.
3: They, they haven't gotten any value for a number one pick in a long time. Except Kimba Walker. Except Kimba Walker. Yes. So Towns is young. He's a double double machine. Yeah. I, I make that trade. Now, the problem with Charlotte is you gotta find some other pieces.
2: Well, that's the thing is if you if you send Kimba up there for Towns, Towns probably winds up in Charlotte indefinitely. He's still got another year until restricted free agency, and then at that point he gets to sign his first mega deal, and it makes a whole lot more sense to do that with the team that controls your bird rights. So if Towns were to come to Charlotte for Kimball Walker, yes, Charlotte probably has Towns for a long time. The problem is at that point in the near term, you have nothing. And you're going to have to give up a couple number ones to get him, and you're still not in great salary cap situations. So basically Carl Anthony Towns comes to Charlotte to die.
3: Well, I've come up with a solution for Charlotte. Bird. I've worked it out.
2: All right, move to Seattle. Kids.
3: We got a tank. We got to give up all. Our, just give them away. Give them everybody. <laughs> we got to go Philly on them. We ah. got to go. We got to endure, mm-hmm. endure the process. That'll be our initial well, slogan. Endure the process.
1: Here's the and then I'm we got to the trust the process. process. Here's, the Southern here's, process. We call it the Southern process.
2: There you go. The Southern process. Southern, southern process. process. All right, baby. I th- I think we're going to call it the Carolina Way. There
1: you there go. You go. Ooh. Well, that, yeah, I, I think that, they've that used that a lot in Chapel of... Hill, but yeah, I thought... yeah. <laughs>
2: but it means a completely different thing if you well, use it, it for the Hornets. Cut, check and Charlotte
1: be... Way. Maybe we can do it the Charlotte Way. I I, I like it. I like the process. Charlotte's Web. Here's... We should call it Charlotte's Web. <laughs> Is Charlotte the North or South
2: Carolina? <laughs> <laughs> Both. <laughs> <out>. <laughs> All right. So that's a ongoing joke. I'm down for the Hornets to tank. Mm-hmm. I really am. The fact that they haven't gotten Kimba Walker extended up to this point is very disappointing. Oh,
3: yeah. Kimba does obviously doesn't want to be there. I disagree. I think Kimba has always well,
2: at this point he may not. I think Kimba was easy pickings for an extension a couple years ago, up through the middle of last uh, exactly. season. Exactly. And then when yeah. all these trade rumors come around and everything else, and he's like, Really? I've been here, I've been a good citizen, I've been a good player, I'm the only all-star coming out of this joint, and this is how I get treated. I think at this point, Kimball Walker's probably scratching his head. and And
3: "Mm." And he probably wants to win, too. Who doesn't? I mean, so we've been just good enough to miss the playoffs, and that's gotten us what? So lose a few more games in Tank and endure for two or three years and we get better. I think they may be doing it. Intentionally or not. We'll see you on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap
5: Seats. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.
2: Imagine if I told you that an earthquake was going to hit tomorrow, right where you live. 6.5 in magnitude with aftershocks occurring twice 25 minutes apart you'd no doubt talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today it's true I can't tell you an earthquake will happen tomorrow but what if it does shouldn't you have a plan go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today don't wait communicate brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council when it comes to saving money don't act like a baby Google gaga be the boss and make a budget I'm the boss, baby.
5: You're the boss of me.
2: I am the boss of you. Are not. M2. Are not. M2.
5: Ugh! Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work?
2: I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan.
5: We can share.
2: You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org, brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby.
3: You're the boss of me.
2: I am the boss of you. Are not. M2. Are not. M2.
5: Ugh! Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work?
2: I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan.
5: We can share.
2: You obviously didn't go to business school
4: and get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org, brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. From Sanford, North Carolina,
1: Chris Lambert and Brandon Atkins. I
0: got
2: money, I got fame, fast cars and everything, yeah.
1: Come on, dance. All right, welcome back to the second half hour from the cheap
2: seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Professor Trent Nichols, the inimitable Robert Bricky. And Diamond Dave Kaplan just walked back in, so he's here too. No Brandon Atkins today. We miss you, B. Come on, dude. Maybe he'll be at Trivia, or is it music this week at Libations? We don't do the music bingo anymore. It's straight trivia and uh, Trivia this week. Because we didn't tease
1: one last week. I was kind of disappointed. We didn't, and trust
2: me, I heard about it too. I thought you would. I heard it. Very passive-aggressive assault on me for not... In the category, that's good. And our listeners um,
1: rising up.
2: Yeah, I know. I think we're going to do first of all. I think we're going to do hair bands. Ooh, not just this week, but next week too. That way, oh. I can't you know can't go wrong.
1: I love hair bands. So
2: eighties hair bands both of the next two weeks. That's Wednesday. We kick that off at six o'clock at Libations in downtown Sanford. Be there. It's a lot of fun. We really Is it's, Bon
1: Jovi the most overrated hair band or are they even a hair band
2: They are among the most overrated, yes. And every time I listen to Bon Jovi these days, I'm like, you know what? There are three or four Bon Jovi songs I really dig. But the formula for most hair bands was rocker power ballad. Wow. Rocker power ballad. And Bon Jovi is just a lot of ballads <clears throat> and even some of their rockers are they're in disguise. Yeah, they were really just power ballots. They're the sappiest of the hair bands, and mm-hmm. they're very overrated. Now, I would ask you, Trent, in turn, who are among the most underrated hair bands? Cap, mm-hmm. I'll extend that to you too. Brick, I'm waiting on you to weigh in as well. You, you big 80s hair band fan?
5: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
3: gonna say it's not my area of expertise. Not
1: your genre? No. Trent, you got anybody who pops to mind? Kind of. I mean, I think White Snake was a little underrated. You think they right were think. underrated? That's they're interesting. Okay.
0: They're a good one. I don't know if
1: they're uh, underrated, though. That's I, interesting. I mean, I think because back thinking about it, you had like Def Leppard, Poison, Motley Crue. Poison, who. Seal, you are familiar with Seal. Yes. Yes.
2: Yeah. Seal at one time called the worst band in the history of music, I think. <laughs> wow. And I've
1: I, I seen <laughs> plays Wow, that, every rose does have its thorn. I, I, right have, there,
2: yeah. I think he was talking specifically about that song too. I think. Oh. And, and I think it was, I think the interview, if I'm not mistaken, it was because the, the lyrics, if you look at Kissed by a Rose. And every rose has its thorn. There's a lot of similarities in the wordplay yeah, going but every on. Every
1: rose has its thorn came out before it did, kissed by a rose. Uh, Yes,
2: and it is a horrible song, dude. There are some bad poison songs now. You're talking to a guy, I've seen poison several times. I've seen Brett Michaels, the lead singer, out on his own a couple of times as well. Um, I enjoy poison when
1: Brett Michaels' out. Uh, resume of females is probably a lot better than Seal. Uh, be careful. No, I mean, Seal had a really good, <laughs> I don't know, besides her, who else Seal I, had.
2: I don't know, man. I don't know. Brett Michaels, neither one of those guys is is walking out of the club at night on their own unless they want to, is <laughs> basically how I feel about I, that. I think
0: Seal's issue with them is it probably wasn't much about the music. No. No. <laughs> I think it was a. It was just like the song we just heard, fast cars and everything. You know, it was about the women and the drugs and the alcohol.
2: Lots of women, lots of drugs, yeah, lots of I'm everything.
0: Telling you, man. I don't yes. think they were sitting there trying to figure out what chord was going to come no, next sir. or what key they were going to sing the song. So in. you don't think Brett Michaels, Brett Michael's,
1: Michaels' pickup line like Seals was, "Let me take you back to my apartment and tell you how I got these scars on my face." Oh my God. <laughs> okay. That's
2: the funniest thing I'm going to hear today. <laughs> and then at the same time, I'm uncomfortable
0: with <laughs> what you
1: just said. Right? Yeah, I'm
2: very uncomfortable.
1: About it. Hey, it's a conversation piece. Yo, man, what's up with the face? How do you get those so, scars? Dude, here's here's I'm going to give you the yes. top
0: ten. Are you ready? Top, top ten. 10. Are these overrated. What what's going on No, by, by Rolling Stone, top ten songs.
2: Oh, okay. Oh, right. From hair bands. All right. I'm, no, I'm all, all one
0: Hysteria. By Def Leppard. That's that's not a great song.
2: And here's the thing with Def Leppard: I am a huge, huge, huge Def Leppard fan. Their lyrics are horrible. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: I would raise both. They don't make any sense at all. Their drummer only had one arm, so I'd raise one arm and say that. I can remember
2: exactly where I was when Rick Allen's arm got chopped off, and it was like I was shattered. It was awful. I was like listening live to BBC. I was living in England at the time, and they were like running live updates on the hour. And, you know, they tried to reattach the arm, and everybody took
3: a deep breath. And then the the arm arm. was
0: in a car wreck.
3: Oh,
2: wow. Yeah, he was like...
0: 19 years old. I think it old, helped he elevate younger. the band. And he did oh, a fine job. And
2: it. He, Dude, it took him 10 years to put their next album out. He revolutionized
1: yeah, but yeah, the but I'm uh, talking double of, foot pedal. Yes, he absolutely I mean, did. did. a yeah. drummer, he has got to be in the top five of greatest drummers right. of all time. So, Brick, you obviously don't know what happened.
2: No. Um, Pyromania <laughs> had come out. It was a seminal moment in rock and roll music. That's still one of the best rock albums ever made across any genre when it comes to to rock. And these guys were one of the biggest bands on the planet. And, you know, heavy and alcohol was their their right. vice. Really? Rick Allen went out, <laughs> wrecked his car, and lost his arm in the wreck. And the band was, at the time, trying to put together their next album. He lost his arm. They tried to reattach the arm, and his body rejected it. So they had to horrible. amputate. It was gone. Wow. And I mean, it's the complete arm at the shoulder. It gone. So they experimented with prosthetics because they wanted him to be, continue with the band. Tried prosthetics. That didn't work. And he, along with some sound engineers, developed a foot pedal system mm. so that he could play one-armed. It took years for them to get over that and mm. and get that back together. But ultimately... And it must have been, man, Pyromania came out in 83, and
3: it, and made, it, was, it was probably s- five, 90s six
2: something? years before their next album came Hysteria out. Hysteria in
0: 1987. This yeah, was, so this this was four, the album. That's four or five years
2: that, that they took to put that next album out, and when it came out, it was everywhere. And that had right. Pour Some Sugar On Me, Love Bites, Hysteria, all that. It was a huge album. <laughs> and, you know, Rick Allen is – the thing that people most often associate, oh, the one-armed drummer. Wow!
3: Right. There no, you go.
2: That's cool. All
0: right, number number two Tar- album. Horrible but cool story to say. It is. Yeah. It uh, yes, yeah, a lot of per- perseverance. Overcame right. it. Came
2: yeah. In. yeah.
0: Uh, look what
2: the cat dragged in. That's on the top ten of all time. That's album. number, two. number oh, two. Oh, this is albums. Yeah, this is the songs. Two. Look what the cat dragged in is a fun album. If if you want musical bubblegum. And that was (laughs) (laughs) Poison, and that's probably 82?
0: Uh, It was 1986.
2: Yeah, I was going to say 85 or 86. All these are
0: the same. And then 1986, Bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet. So you're loving Rolling Stone now in their their ranking of greatest hairband albums.
2: Okay, so we've got Hysteria at 10. We've got Look What the Cat Dragged In. Hysteria at 1. At 1. I'm
0: starting at the top. Oh, come on. No, 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 no. Motley Crue, Shout at the Devil, 1983, number four. The
2: the question I think there is is that even Motley Crue's best album? Mm -hmm. Uh.
0: Skid Row, Skid Row. That's a good album. 1989. They might be
2: underrated. Skid Row. Yeah, they might
0: be. I agree with that.
2: Skid Row didn't have a lot of longevity. They put out like two albums and then they were done.
0: Rat, Out of the Cellar, 1984.
2: I am going to have to disagree. I don't even think that's the best Rat album.
0: Here's a. I don't even know who this is, so I'm going to say they're underrated. Faster Pussycat. Faster Pussycat was the album in oh. 1987.
2: That, that right there is Rolling Stone trying to appear smarter than they are. Right. There's one good song on that album, maybe two. House of Pain was the one big hit off that album. No, that's that's garbage.
0: Uh, Kicks, Blow My Fuse, That's a good Now, Kicks,
2: anybody out there that's a hairband fan that is not familiar with Kicks... You need to go buy Blow My Fuse. That's a great album, and that's an underrated hair yeah. band. What, what year did that come out?
0: That was in 1988.
2: Yeah, see, that was the problem there is it came out at the end of the hair band thing, yeah. and they just kind of got lost. There were some good bands that came out in that time period, and hair bands had kind of shot their wad at that point. What else you got?
0: Number uh, nine, Motley Crue, Too Fast for Love, 1981.
2: No, 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 no. That's another one, Rolling Stone, trying to impress people.
0: Cinderella, Long Cold Winter, 1988. ridiculous
2: because that's definitely not their best album. Night Songs is a a much superior album to that. So, Rolling Stone, you fail. And, Dave, just so you know, any other time you ever do a list like that, you have to go from the bottom up. Okay. You you completely screwed that up. So, anyway. And yeah. I to say, it since we're talking about hairbands, the most I was I was trying to see where you were going to go with it, Trent, and you kind of let it die. Yeah. You want to talk about underrated hairbands? Tesla, number one. That was number eleven. Tesla, which which album? Medicine's uh, Medicine.
0: We'll get back there. Uh, no, it was not. No, I'll get there. Hold on. I forgot it. Uh, there's five Vanuccis. Cinderella's got another one in a Twisted Sister. Tesla oh. Signs Signed was right. a great cover. Signs, signs, everywhere. There's signs.
1: They always are screwing up the scenery and breaking my mind. Number
0: 11 was uh The Great Radio. That's a good one. There
2: are three or four Tesla albums that probably ought to be on that top 50. All right, we're done talking about hair bands. Right. But for the next 2 weeks that will be at least one of the two musical categories of B. Are you going to do 80 some uh,
1: NBA draft trivia?
2: I think we owe it to people. Thursday's so, the draft. Well, Thursday's the draft, which means it happens after trivia. So the following week, and that's what we've been doing, was teasing these a week in advance, we will do NBA draft trivia. We've done draft trivia before, and uh, people's heads explode when I get into these deep sports categories. I will try to keep it reasonable. Now, this coming week, they I need know a we're category. a
1: sports talk show, right? Yeah. I think, trivia, just,
3: ca- general Any category?
2: Yes. Throw me a bone.
0: Why don't you do U.S. Open golf?
2: No, no. Can't
0: do all sports. All the yeah. In the
2: sports the, talk, the golf category, Ed sports? Snyder shows up does and knows he, all the answers, and nobody else does. Right. So I'm thinking, what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna create it's a Anthony category Bourdain.
1: for this. Do something in tribute to Anthony Bourdain. Is it too soon? Is it a bad? No. Taste? What do you guys think? No. If you're doing it, I tribute I'll to what. I tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna
2: do. Not Anthony Bourdain. I'm going to do food. Celebrities. There you go. There you go. There you go. This week, the tease category. Normally we do these a week in advance. So next week's category will be the NBA draft. But this week we will do a category on food television celebrities.
1: Lots of lots of controversy going on with Mario Batali. Yeah. Anthony Bourdain left us, unfortunately. So yeah, yeah, that'd be a fun talk category. to me about the controversy. Mario uh, destroyed right yeah, now. He's, in the me too, he's lost all his uh, oh, yeah. ownership in all of his happened? restaurants. Harassment and yeah. possible what? rape and drugging and he's yeah. a Me Too victim. He's yeah, a a me victim. Too Mario victim, Batali, yeah. not not a victim. And a, I mean a, a, victim a victim
2: of the back. And a victim's the wrong word. He's but a, he is a victim. Yeah, my fault. Yeah, I hadn't heard that. And I'm not even trying to be funny when I say this. But this involves women. Yes. And I'm not, I swear, I'm not trying to
3: be funny. I assume, I I I, I did assume
1: that he was gay. I really did. I can see that. I can see that. No, the big thing was uh, this winner, and I thought we talked about it. He came out and apologized for these harassment accusations. And then at the bottom of it, he had a pizza dough recipe for cinnamon rolls and everyone's like dude what are you doing but no it's bad he i mean yeah really no i i hadn't he heard he could that. end up uh serving some time
2: it's hard to it's hard to keep track without a scorecard with all these wow. with you all know, these Batali's charges that trouble, are coming out
1: but the bourdain wow. thing really shook me to the core you
2: know here's the 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 issue AK's i have right. right now and it, it kind of rattles me you look back and you look at celebrity suicides that really wasn't a thing up until a couple years ago. We'll talk about that on the other side. You're listening from the cheap seats out of Sanford, North Carolina. Crystal Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott.
5: When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life.
4: If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory
1: was going from a wheelchair
0: to
4: becoming a weightlifting champion.
0: I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a
2: career that I could be proud of.
4: At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of
2: all generations get the benefits they've earned.
1: I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education.
2: When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
1: You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know
0: what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis.
5: Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats.
2: All right, welcome back. If you're listening on WDCC, this is the final segment. You can follow us, and there's a lot of different places you can catch the show. First of all, you can go to the podcast. We're hosted on the iTunes Store, Google Play. Uh, Any device you can check us out, look for from the Cheap Seats. We would appreciate it if you like and follow the show. Send us a review. You can get in touch with us at cheapseatradio at gmail.com. Now, we also can be heard on Wednesday mornings on Ironic Media. That's I R O N I Q Media. Check them out on the web. It's a new platform. Uh, we're excited about it. And also, check out RatPackSports.com. We're on WRPR now, which is their streaming radio station. And uh, appreciate Derek and the guys hooking us up with a spot on there Wednesday mornings, 9 a.m. You can check those guys out. Listen to their shows specifically. They're on Wednesday nights from 7 30 to 9 30. They do a live show. It's one of the two or three better shows out there. It's not as good as ours, but it's almost. It's almost. Um, they don't have Bricky in studio with them, so the, that's well, it. You know, to give, can, uh, to give knowledge about hair bands. Somebody's got
3: to raise the bar. Yes.
2: Yeah. Um, Cap, before we talk about. Celebrity suicides or possible landing spots for LeBron James, and we do have to touch on some World Cup before we get out of here today. Um, talk to me. You you okay? You asked for a couple minutes. You Yeah, have I,
0: I want to pay a little respects to um, a baseball legend or contributor in our community. Sean McNeil is my my wife's first cousin. Passed away. He was a pitching coach for Lee County Farm. I mean Lee County. Um, Uh, Yellow Jackets for 18 years. He was part of the 1996 and 2001 4A championship teams under Coach Charlie Spivey. And uh, too young, 44 years old, uh, illness and some surgeries led to a blood clot and and just too young to lose him. But he meant a lot to a lot of kids in Lee County who were involved in baseball and in Western Harnett County. Big Yankees fan, Blue Devils fan. So, Bricky, you would have liked him for that. But he's also a Tar Heel fan as it re, re, uh, relates to baseball, and he, he's certainly going to be up in heaven cheering Scott Forbes in the Tar Heel. He played with Scott Forbes uh, back in his high school days. And cool funeral uh, as far as funerals go. Uh, they willed him out to take me out to the ballgame. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of – it was an interesting uh, reaction on emotions because it was kind of like a chuckle. <laughs> right. and, then, and then it was kind of like, wow.
3: Was, he, know, was he that kind of guy?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so, and then it brought, it stirred up a lot of other emotions. And, uh, you know, he's going to the ultimate ball game. So rest in peace, Sean and uh, Shawnee Mack, as a lot of the players called him.
2: So, Sean's a great guy. And it's, there's a special place in my heart for folks who are involved with kids at that level. You know, high school coaches are not ever going to get rich playing their trade doing what they do. His uncle
0: Tony, um, said to us, he said, you know, Sean didn't make a ton of money, but he and he only he could have lived to be eighty, but he only lived to be forty four years, but he did what he loved to do. And so in, in that respect he said his life's probably gonna be more fulfilling in forty four years than mine will be if I live to be eighty or ninety years old. Well so,
2: what more could you ask for yeah. there? That's a that's a powerful, powerful statement. Right. Sean you'll be missed. Um touched a lot of lives.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. There was there was probably 40-50 players that he had coached along the way from 14 years old, you know, recently, right. all the way up to 35, 40 years old who are Paul you know, yeah. and coach Bobby was there as a pallbearer Bear as well. You
3: so, know, anybody has ever participated in any athletics as a youngster through high school? You always you think of the people that affected your life? Influenced your life, kept you going in the right direction. Right. Everybody thinks of a coach. There was a coach somewhere, yeah, absolutely, that kicked your tail when you needed it kicked, or gave you a hug or pat on the back. And uh, so, I always have great admiration and love for coaches.
0: Right. So, just prayers to to Darlene and Buddy, his uh, parents, and Tanya, his fiance, and and, and uh, he'll be missed.
2: Thanks for that, Dave. Speaking of that, Bricky, it's funny that. How things work out because you're talking about coaches, and I actually I know I said I was going to do this, and I'm a couple weeks behind, but I did start constructing your Wikipedia Uh-oh. page. I, I really an official
3: did. Official international player, dude.
2: almost, almost because it hasn't been published yet. Okay. It has to be public. I have oh. to publish it, and then it has to be approved by Wikipedia. It will be, trust me. But there was an article in there that I found from the Fayetteville Observer from a few years back when you rejoined the Fayetteville State staff, right? And they they talk to you about your high school coach at E.E. E. Smith. Right. And to hear you kind of wax poetic and to hear him talk about you
3: uh,
2: brought a smile to my face. I'm not going to lie. Right.
3: That
2: um, was cool. Any yeah, words I, you want to
3: – I went to see him. He's not doing well right oh, now. He gotta, he's got to be early 80s. But God, he coached for 33 years and impacted a lot of lives. And uh, he's well respected in the community. Everybody loves him. His son's a high school coach at Jack Britt High School and has been there. Well, he's been a high school coach for 25 or so years. So that family has really impacted the basketball community. And uh, nothing but love and respect for Ike Walker, who I wouldn't be surprised today if I go home, there's a letter from him. He'll handwrite you a note. And stick it. In. It's amazing. I don't know how he finds time to do it it's, all, but.
2: It's funny that you say that because the article that, that I'm talking about, he had actually brought a news clipping to you yes. with a handwritten note. Yes. You and Charles. So well. Yes, that mm-hmm. played at DePaul. Yep. How'd you guys not manage to not win a state championship <laughs> in those two years? <laughs>
3: You know, my junior year, we ended up losing in to the us regional final. No, 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 no. no. Your junior year, you, you, you lost, lost yeah, in the state championship. I, I've done my uh, research break. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and in my senior year, we were ranked nationally. We were like, I don't know, 15 or and so. And lost in the regional. Lost in the regional. But who would you s- lose to? Uh, in Raleigh the- Broughton. Raleigh Broughton. Yeah.
2: Anybody of note on that squad? Uh, uh, I mean, because unless you're like, no, yeah, I'm they tellin- had, you know, they had Antoine Walker on that. I'm on tellin- that
3: team. I cannot remember his name. He, I was a player of the year. Yes, he you Should have been. Oh wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, he was an amazing. Uh, and I I saw him a couple. Wait, when did you ago. graduate high school? Eighty six. Eighty six. So, well, my point here is, I need to edit and approve said. Wikipedia page, because I've got to <laughs> ask, because my stories have gotten better with years. Well, here's here's the thing. <laughs> it's a little here's, Well, here's the back. thing. What I'm trying to get up there is a baseline right. that are verifiable facts. We don't know. You're concerned about facts but, again. But, 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 but
2: it will also include the statement that Robert Bricky stated that he invented the crossover dribble – in 1975, that will be included, but everything else is pretty mundane. I mean, it's right. you know, you grew up as an Air Force de- or an Army dependent in right. Fayetteville. You used to travel by bike up to two miles to parks to play with your brothers. Blah 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 blah. blah. Yeah. The whole thing about the Wake Forest recruiting being out there in the front, you saying that Bob Stack wasn't going to make it. It's a
3: pretty cool little article. I'm kind of proud of it. Well, and I perpetuated the behind the back pass. I didn't, invent I, it. I didn't No. But that will be that but will be, be included as well.
2: <laughs> may not have invented but popularized. popularized I like right. that. I like that. I like that a lot. Cool. Yeah, we'll uh will that page should be ready for public consumption here in the next couple of days. And yes, once it is I'll send you a link. You want some edits? No problem. I got you, dog. I got you. Do they have Gary,
3: Do they have to be verifiable facts? No. Gary no, Madison? Not at all. It's Gary Wikipedia, Madison. dude. Yeah, exactly. Gary Patterson. Madison. 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 Gary they, Madison. They an yeah. Where did the Gary Ma- Gary, any idea where Madison went to school? He ended up going he was supposed to go to state. He ended up going to JUCO to Shawan ah. when Shawan was a junior college. Got it. And was supposed to go to state, and I don't know what happened. But you know he what was a, it was a player.
2: It's amazing. Some of the best athletes I knew growing up How about ended that? up having to go the JUCO route. That was about right. prop 48 days and all the rest right. of that stuff. And that kind of screwed up everything. And I, just, I, I still don't think anybody really understands how much that impacted things. Right. I mean, if you're a fan of Oklahoma or Nebraska, it completely dismantled your programs there. But guys that I know that went out to JUCO for football and basketball, whatever the case might be, and then just never made it to right. where they were ultimately supposed to get to, yeah. where had they come through 10 years earlier, they'd have been at that four-year school and nobody would right. have thought twice about it. It's kind of kind wild. This
0: is irrelevant information, but do you know who won in 1987?
2: Nope,
0: Chapel Hill High. You know who the Kendrick. coach? You know who the coach was? No, Coach Ken Miller, who is a Sanford resident, and David Miller, his son, is the coach, the for, coach. for Southern Lee's baseball team. I'll be doggone. And played at Carolina baseball. And uh, Ken Miller was a basketball coach here for years when I was in high school. Wow.
2: Yeah.
0: So anyway, Hen- Henrik Rodel was the
2: MVP. That's right. He was a I cool story about. And him. Yeah, Rodal was, right. Rodal was Rodal, Did did you guys when he was when bringing Mister Basketball in North Carolina in eighty seven. Did you guys have to do like a pageant? Did you have to do a ball gown yeah. like Presto Changeo where you put the crown on his no, head, a little no, tiara, no, does anything go. like that?
3: We had we had to go. Uh, I think I went to Charlotte and with my parents, and we did a photo shoot with the female player of the year. Okay, they took us to. Um, Really nice restaurant. I don't remember the name, but we spent a day in Charlotte. So it was nice. okay The
0: no, West Charlotte team had it
3: rolling in the Look, late 80s and a early story 90s. story about Henrik Rodel. All right. So I play on the Junior World Team. And With
1: Dwayne Shinsis.
3: Dwayne Shinsis I, I told you, though. <laughs> from the past. Damn, he's
1: going to send uh, you an invoice, man. In 88. <laughs> this research. We go to Germany. We'll I'll tell you. All right, time. we'll
2: finish on the other side. If you are listening on WBCC Followers to the Web, We'll see you there, and uh, we'll probably talk about something other than Robert Brady.
5: You're listening to Chris Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.
4: You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use
2: like
1: anything as a ball cans, bottles, shoes.
4: Hey, bro, toss me that avocado.
1: Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage Drinking and Driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org, brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. My name is Bobby. I'm a
0: veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a
2: weightlifting champion.
0: I'm Sam, I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career
2: that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned.
1: I'm CeCe, my victory was finishing my education.
2: When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to (laughs) DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the cheap seats. All right, welcome back. And whether you're listening on Rat Pack Radio, Ironic, or to the podcast, we appreciate you hanging out with us. We've been all over the map this morning. Uh, I don't think there's any chance of that changing as we move forward. (laughs) Um, never. As we kick off the second hour of the show, uh, one last time I want to pay homage to my boy, Brandon Atkins, who's not with us today. And we miss you. It's never the same without him. And it's possible that we could have made it through an entire show without talking about LeBron James. However, as Unlikely. we started last week, we have a segment dedicated to LeBron. So we're not gonna make this out. We're, we're not gonna make it out of here without. Is that the
3: official music?
1: Yeah. And then at the end, the baby comes in. They're like,
5: wah, wah.
1: <laughs> All right, Brick. We have we've got the the Cleave Landing
2: spots. Cleve
3: Landing spot. <laughs> this week's team you have to defend or not is the L.A. Lakers. Oh. All right. So last week we did. Houston. Houston Rockets. This week we're doing L.A. Lakers.
1: All right. Trent, you want to kick it off? The L.A. Lakers. Well, this has been Magic's little plan since he took over about a year ago. A little over. A little less than a year. Uh, they have plenty of cap space. I think they've got about a. I last time I checked, I think it's about $11 million on the books. They have a lot of young pieces. Um Ultimately, it's going to be go after LeBron plus. Now, Friday, we had that little wrench thrown in the system with Kawhi saying he wants to be out, and he prefers to go to L.A. because he's a L.A. boy. So, the Lakers, unfortunately, I mean, the Pacers passed on trading with them last year with Paul George because they really – I mean – Honestly, right now I don't see anything they have to offer We're San Antonio about to get Kawhi. All
2: right, here's okay. Let's talk about the the most obvious first. Okay, the the first question is whether LA wants to part with Lonzo Ball. The second part of that equation is what level of desire Lonzo Ball has to play anyplace else. Okay. I would be hesitant if I was a GM on any other team for a couple of reasons to include it, to take a package that included Lonzo Ball. One, because I don't think he's that good. Two, in his one year in the NBA, proved to be injury-prone. And three, it's a circus coming to town when he shows up.
1: Yeah, because you get his father and everything yeah. else. So
2: I, I don't see... I really don't see much chance of Lonzo Ball being involved. After that, the two pieces, I think you understated the the pieces that LA has to move. The two pieces that they have that are desirable are Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma. If I'm San Antonio, I might be interested in bringing in one or both of those. I don't know. The other thing with LA that's interesting is that LA does have a lot of cap space and they project to have a lot of cap space because Ingram and Ball are still under control Kuzma's still under control Josh Hart's still under control uh, Julius Randle they haven't shown any proclivity towards keeping Right. so whether they do a sign and trade or or whatever they do with him is, is in question but I do think LA has some pieces now if I am Cleveland here's the question If I'm Cleveland, am I trying to take the remnants of the 2017-18 Cavaliers team that we put together at the deadline, and am I trying to turn that into Lakers East and add Kuzma and or Brandon Ingram to that and be
1: competitive? That's a good question. Well, that would be what? Signing LeBron and then trading him for those That's what's going to have to happen. There's nobody that's out there
2: that has the cap space – that it makes the most sense for LeBron just to opt out and then sign.
1: Will LeBron go with if it's just him and Paul George to L.A.? My thought, and I've always thought, I've said this all year, that that's where he is going to end up, is in L.A. I
2: don't think that he's going to L.A. And I don't think that he's going to L.A. based on the fact that I don't think that anybody's going to get that excited about playing next to Paul George. And that seems to be the one guy. There's rumors out there. Well, they could do the Chris Paul thing, but I don't think Houston's. I don't think Houston's got any inclination to let Chris Paul get out of there.
1: Yeah. They can so give him the I think most that money.
2: LA and and the oddsmakers in Vegas right now are carrying LA at number one as the potential landing spot for LeBron James. Yeah. I just don't know that it happens because if you keep that team intact, and it's Ingram, Kuzma, Ball, LeBron plus whatever free agent. That's not a team that's challenging the, the Warriors.
1: Well, even if it's minus one or two of those guys that you said, and oh, yeah, you said Paul, Paul George. If you add Paul George to that, they're not challenging. I, I don't I think, think so. The best scenario for everybody in L.A. would be to try to steal Kawhi and then bring in James and George. Well,
2: Now, if you add Kawhi Leonard into that mix, that becomes pretty interesting. And in a situation like that, here's the alternatives that are out there. L.A. could orchestrate a deal with San Antonio in which they give up Kuzma, Ingram, a pick, Some combination of those three pieces. I do think those are attractive to San Antonio.
1: They really don't have picks. That's the problem. I think you're going to have to add a team.
2: Okay. Let's say that they can come up with a combination that doesn't involve ball, that is Ingram and Kuzma. Mm -hmm. If they can do a trade like that straight up for Kawhi Leonard, now all of a sudden you're talking about a team that has a whole bunch of cap space. That may not need LeBron to do a sign and trade, and you're talking about, you know, Lonzo Ball, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, and you may even—I'd have to look at the numbers—you may even have the space to make a run at a guy like Boogie Cousins, right? Okay. Because Cousins cannot possibly command a max deal anywhere, coming off a of torn Achilles. I but, don't know. Maybe maybe I, think, maybe I, I just talked myself into L.A. being a, a legitimate destination. <laughs> right. Bricky, what do you got?
3: I think we have to understand what LeBron's goal is. Is it to chase titles? Now, you heard Shaq's comments about his advice to LeBron not to chase titles. He said that's what he did at the end of his career.
2: I'm glad that he was willing to admit that.
3: Yeah. So, if his goal is to chase titles – then you really limit the amount of spots he could land, in. Mm-hmm. And then there'd have to be an extraordinary amount of movement to make that happen. Uh, now I know he's got a home in LA and he wants Two. to do these movies or films or television or whatever his media company. So that's the place to be. So I think LA has a lot of potential drawing cards for LeBron. I don't think they can assemble a team to challenge the Warriors. And if you're going to go to the West, do you want to go home at the Western Conference Finals? Do you want to stay in the East where you can get to the finals every
1: year? Well, that goes back to is he chasing titles or is he looking? I mean, Dwayne Wade tweeted out two weeks ago that don't underestimate the quality of life. And oh, maybe yeah. LeBron's mindset is quality of life. Oh, so hold on. He's setting the, up the his same kids guy at school
3: that left Miami to go to Chicago for two million more dollars <laughs> says sure. I think quality that, of life. Yeah, now.
1: but I think that was more of a that was more of a you know what, Miami, I'm tired of you treating me like this, so I'm gone. Two million bucks. That's how ridiculous it sounds. Pat Riley and them undervalued Dwayne Wade. Didn't show him the love. He was never the highest-paid player, so he's like, "Okay, fine. I'm going to go home. It's only two million bucks. Screw you." And, and live in he Chicago. Ended up back. Well, he ended up back well, where he, he needed to be. Ended up
3: back, but he's going to talk about quality of life when he
1: chooses to live in Chicago <laughs> over South Beach. Dude, he just had an apartment in Chicago. Well, he and didn't and really maybe live there. maybe you <laughs> know
2: maybe Dwayne Wade is imparting a life lesson learned. Right, you know, Dwayne Wade. At this point, had he stayed in Miami all along, I think I I don't want to say that his his career or his legacy's been tainted a little bit, but it has. Right. I mean, it'd be a whole lot easier to look at, at Dwayne Wade in that you know upper echelon in that esteem had he played his entire career with one team. That's just how we are as Americans. Right.
3: Now um, and then, there are not many figures who are are as entrenched and beloved in their communities like Dwayne Wade is in Miami true. Mm-hmm. So had he stayed, I'm like you, I think it just a little bit has affected his legacy. but uh, I think you know, he'll finish career there, he'll be the mayor, what have you but but okay, so you say LeBron, to
1: L.A. I I'm gonna stick say to my guns. The so, whole this whole time, I think LeBron is going to L.A. Win or lose, he'll so bring if you somebody say, with him. From a percentage
2: standpoint, what do you think? From in in, in mathematical terms, how likely is it? I'm gonna LeBron's be a lot game?
1: smarter than I was last time, where I was like 80 percent Toronto. Blah. I think I think it, it's pretty high, and it's probably about 30 percent. Thirty yes. percent. So you
3: you haven't okay. done this on your trade generator. You haven't well, we, formulated it's not, this. Oh, to oh, me, of I have. it may
2: not be <laughs> a of course trade. Here's the th- here's the thing that is it's impossible to know from a trade standpoint because it's easy to make happen. Right. It's really easy to make happen whether it's a straight up deal or whether it's a a combination because when LeBron comes off Cleveland's books, they got plenty of space. Right.
4: But and if the LA already has plenty
2: of space. So the question is how attractive does it get? And the question the other part of that is LA has a lot of cap space, but they still have Luol Ding on the books right. that they would desperately love to get off of there. It's it's just an interesting thing because this is an easy deal. If this is just the Lakers and Cleveland talking, right. Boom. Yeah, but there, there's no cap machinations that need to have. The question becomes is Cleveland in a situation where they look at pieces LA could give them and says that's enough. That's what we want to do. We're going to remain competitive. Or is Cleveland looking at it and saying, ah, we'd rather have a bunch of expiring contracts and picks. If that's the case, LA doesn't have the picks to make it attractive. I'm going to tell you, I'm the, I'm the eternal optimist. If I'm either team in this situation, whether it be L.A. or Cleveland, I'm looking and I'm like, "Eh, I can make this happen now. If you take Cleveland, the way they are situated today, and you subtract LeBron James from that team, and you insert a legitimate NBA player, not necessarily a superstar, but if you were to take a Brandon Ingram and put it in place of LeBron James, Cleveland And don't laugh when I say this. Cleveland's probably the fifth best
1: team in the East. Hey, what about – I mean, listen to this craziness. You draft Porter at eight, who may be there, and then – That's part of my equation when I say Cleveland. You go and sign Isaiah Thomas. Why not?
2: Thomas might be the guy. If I'm Cleveland – You can get him on the cheap.
3: You can. Because right now – He's going to have have to sign a
2: prove-it deal with somebody. Right. But if I'm Cleveland – and I've got it. – first of all, I'm doing whatever I need to do to get Rodney Hood back in the fold, unless he's a legit head case, which I don't think is the case. But you're looking at Hood, Nance, Clarkson. That's not a bad young core of players. Right. Hill. You're talking about the eighth pick. Ah, Hill Hill is a throw-in. Hill's on a big contract. He's got another year left on that. You're talking about $12 bucks a year, I think, that Hill's making. They would love to include <laughs> Hill in a deal. Whoop, I'll finish that thought on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats in Sanford, North Carolina. Thanks for hanging out with us.
1: You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina.
5: I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will. Solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger and they locked me away for life.
4: If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com.
5: Hey Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on, dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats.
2: All right, welcome back From the Cheap Seats. And we're talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers and, and where they're at now versus where they might go. But here's my thing, Trent, is you've got a nice backcourt. I put, whether, whether you keep George Hill there holding it down for another year or whether you let Clarkson run the point, you got Hood, who is a proven scorer in this league at this young age. Mm-hmm. You've got Larry Nance, who is a very athletic four. If you add a wing scorer and you just hit it on the head, if at eight, they take a guy like Michael Porter Jr. or Kevin Knox, and those guys pan out to be a 17, 18 point a night game or a point per game guy in the short term, now all of a sudden you got a nice little squad. Now, here's what I really throw out at you is I want you to take that thought process with that team. In that situation, you got a nice little backcourt, you've got depth in that backcourt because you got Hill Clarkson Hood. Three guys playing two positions. If you add a nice wing scorer with the eighth pick, a long wing scorer like Knox, Porter, one of those type guys, you subtract LeBron from this equation. I know I'm screwing up your special segment. But, man, that makes a deal to Miami. Really, really, really interesting. Because you've got a disgruntled big man down there on a twenty-four million dollar contract, in Hassan Whiteside, Whiteside has fallen out of favor with the Miami front office. But you had that guy up into that Cleveland rotation, and now all of a sudden you look at them from one through five. Oh, damn! It's pretty good.
3: Now, and, and, when, you're, and when you're looking
2: at the East now, when you're looking at the East, you're looking at Boston probably going in as your your you know your number one. Philly aren't right on their heels. Behind that, you got Toronto, Washington, and Milwaukee, kind of two, three, f- or three, four, five, however you want to put them in there. But I'm telling you right now, that lineup in Cleveland starting next year on paper is no less than the six best team in the East and might be better than that as we move forward. You know, people want to fall in love with the Pacers and what they've done. Where? Yeah, prove it to me. Prove you can do that again, Ola Depot. And let's see if your supporting cast is that strong. Toronto, who knows how this Nick Nurse thing is going to work out. And Washington, Jesus. Washington is proof positive that video game front offices where you just build as much offense as you possibly can doesn't work. And I was thinking about this the other day. People were talking about how great Golden State is. Golden State is not great because of all of of its offensive options. It's great because it has guys that play offense but also can D you up. You look at what Durant did on defense this past year. Klay Thompson is a stopper. Draymond Green is a nightmare on defense. That's what separates them from everybody else because they do that and still have one, two, three, four options on offense that will kill you. D.C., the Washington Wizards. They
3: need to blow it up. It may be time to blow it up. They've got to make some drastic changes. They really need to make a a splash. Is not the right word, but they've got to – they got to make a major move because they've been trying to win it two straight years with the same roster, and they've gotten nowhere. nowhere. So they've got to give up a piece to get a piece that fits a little better. Maybe two. Maybe,
1: well, uh, and you can maybe see John
2: Wall going over to the Cavs. It, it, it's a possibility, and I'm going to tell you that Wall's not doing that team any favors because he, he's got this – Uh, Passive-aggressive thing. You know, he's put Gortat on blast many times out there on social media. Gortat is – if I'm a guy like John Wall with his skill set and his ability, Gortat is exactly what I want. Oh yeah. He's a big man that doesn't need the ball in his hands. You know, Wall keeps saying, we need more athleticism in the post. Really? Because if you get an athletic kid in the post, guess what he's going to want? The Basketball. There's only one that goes around. When you look at the one, two, three in terms of scoring options, I'll put Washington up against just about anybody. With Wall, Beal, and Porter, those guys can shoot the ball, they can penetrate, they can do a lot of things, but they don't play defense. They're not great distributors of the ball. And that relationship amongst those the three of them seems to be toxic. Right. So maybe Washington's a player? I don't know. I but doubt it. back to my original statement, if you take – and I'm gonna do a sign and trade. If 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 LeBron comes in and says, you know what, Miami, that was a great time down there. That's where I want to go. Miami desperately wants out of that Whiteside deal. Now you wanted to make a point about Hassan Whiteside. Please
3: do. Well, he's a head case. Oh, yeah. So uh if you're a GM or a coach, would you want to bring that to your fold? A guy, especially if you're not a if you're a San Antonio, maybe you can handle it because your organization, and your and your uh, members are strong enough to help him get on the right track. But if he goes to Washington or some place where he's, they can't rein him in. He's of no value to
1: you. Dude, watch, watching the video of what poor Tai Lu has to deal with, I'm sure. Getting rid of Princess James and bringing in Whiteside would be like,
4: Hallelujah! Here's the thing. And, and Bricky, you've been around
2: these guys, and instead of just me making wild speculation, (laughs) you, you you can actually put meat on the bone here. But Whiteside seems to me to be a prime case of a guy who came out of college with no real expectations, blew up in the NBA a little bit, enough to get one of these huge deals right. and then didn't know how to act from that point right. on. I mean, have I missed anywhere well, there?
3: I think what guys fail to realize is you got to learn how to be a professional and and everything that comes along with that. And a lot of guys fail because they don't understand the amount of work it takes to, to keep your game at a high level, saying no off the court to certain things and certain people so that your production increases consistently and and they consider you a good player. Uh, Pat Riley criticized him about being in shape during the playoffs. How is that possible? You played 80-plus games, and he said, you're out of shape. (laughs) But that's probably a lot of nightlife factored in into that.
1: Well, I blame Pat Riley on that because he was the one that boosted him up so much and kind of i think he got that big deal more on he had that one little spurt and he got it more on what they what pat riley thought was coming correct not knowing what happened now
2: be careful with that though because riley has always been the consummate cheerleader you know you've there's been some friction with a couple of guys but usually riley's the guy he's he's all sunshine and rainbows right and and Whiteside to watch him, the defensive presence that he became yeah. sort of out of nowhere, it was really promising. And you talk about a guy that had, you know, what seemed to be developing offensive skills, and now it's a question of conditioning, it's a question of attitude. It was interesting to me last year, when Gordon Hayward was a free agent, that Hassan Whiteside seemed to have become the team leader and was the guy that was actively recruiting Gordon Hayward. He was there for the interviews with Hayward. He was out on social media. And I thought, this kid has turned the tor- turned right. a corner, and he is going to be a legit star in the NBA. Now, here's my thing, is that this bad attitude type thing, This has all been contained within one season. Mm -hmm. Because coming into last season, Hassan's a building block. You know, He's best young center in basketball, perhaps, blah, blah, blah. And then over the course of one year, he's on the outs and they want to get rid of this contract. So I don't think this is an irredeemable situation. I think Whiteside could be part of the future, whether it's in Miami or wherever the case might be. And in this case, honestly, for a young guy, sometimes a change of scenery is the best thing you right. can ask for.
3: I think if he got in the right situation, I think he needs a reduced role. He needs a uh, DeAndre Jordan role. Dude, you go get t- uh, 14 rebounds and 12 points. We're not throwing now, it to you on the block. You pick and roll, you get off it. If you, He's that guy. He's an excellent piece on anybody's team.
1: Well, make it the gift. You know, if you score fifteen, God bless you. Right.
3: You know? Well, yeah. Like and, Draymond Green. The whole Green, thing with it is, Draymond he's, Green
1: scores fifteen. They're like, "Woo!"
3: Wait a minute. Hold Draymond Green said, "If they offered him a max deal, he'd turn it down. He'd turn it down." I was like, "How much of an inflated, inflated image of yourself do you have? A max deal with the." There three guys on your team that could deserve a max deal. You're not one, and
1: if you're not in Golden State, you're not nearly the player. Yeah, Kevin Durant was like, "Yeah, I'll take less to come here." Draymond Green's like, I'm turning it down." <laughs> what? That,
3: that killed me. Go. I see why Barkley wants. He's going to be the, the next face. Roy Hibbert. <laughs> He's going to disappear. He'll be like Roy Hibbert.
1: Where did Draymond Green go? He disappeared. Listen,
2: <laughs> here's the thing. If you put Draymond, and I don't want to disrespect Draymond Green. Draymond Green is the most underrated piece of that Golden State team. However, he is as important just because of what Golden State can do because if you can't space the floor like that there a 64 big man has no role on your team <laughs> but when you can space the floor and you have a guy that's 64 that can come in there and harass seven footers and compete for rebounds and play defense and oh by the way go hit a three every once in a while it's invaluable you know what, he's keep, in the perfect it's like situation kicking in the nuts. <laughs> if if you think he's in the if you don't think he's in the perfect situation go ask Ben Wallace Yep. What Ben Wallace, people forget how good those Pistons teams were. Back-to-back NBA champs, if I'm not mistaken. And Ben Wallace, sowing his wild oats. You know, I'm going to go get my deal. Where did he
3: even go after that? I don't even remember. He disappeared. And Ben Wallace had been the Draymond Green of that team. The difference between Draymond and Dennis Rodman is Draymond can make a three every now and then. That's the only difference.
2: The The real difference between Draymond Green and Dennis Rodman is that Dennis Rodman was a legit, crazy, tough guy. Yeah, yeah. Draymond Green is a made-up
3: tough guy. Yeah, he's fake tough. Because you, Dennis Rodman driving, walk
2: through this door right now? He I, might Mr. Even Rodman, get John how you doing? Hey, can I get you a drink? Draymond Green? Get I, out of here. Come on, dude. Yeah. That's just, that's it, the first. Rodman's for real. going
3: to North Korea a couple yeah, times. Yeah, we should. Yes, send uh, Draymond to North Korea. I, I mean, I was
2: just thinking about it in my head. I don't even remember Dennis Rodman other than his time with the Bulls and the Pistons. Surely he had to have done something other than that. I don't know. We'll see you on the other side. Finish up with this last half hour. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats.
5: You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.
3: Welcome back to the Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's
0: right, a group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, and of course, companionship.
4: Just look how she struts. This actually owns the place. And see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. Fantastic cat. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit the shelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You, too, can be Army strong in the Army Reserve.
1: You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats... But you'll
2: love the show. Trent, I'm gonna tell you that before we we started this little voyage that you got sucked into like week three. You you were here from yeah, almost 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 day one. I can remember meeting with Trent, and I don't even know what we were talking about. I was probably like asking for advertising dollars or something for another operation. But I I went to Buffalo Wild Wings and I sat down, Trent, you know, we were friends before that. And he came and he was talking and we were talking about this, that, and the other. And I told him about what we were doing and he was like, oh, my God. Oh. That's like my dream.
1: Yeah, I told him I was like I was just going to ask you if you knew anybody at a radio station that I could just go and volunteer time just to scratch the itch.
2: Yes, wow. and then he was like, "I'll work for free," and I was like, "Oh, done.
1: <laughs> yes, come so on
2: we're, in.
3: We're all on the same contract. Yes, right? yes. Yeah. all. Hey, trust me,
2: all. all my, of us are on the same contract.
1: Horrible.
3: <laughs> yes,
2: um, but yeah, trick trick came on. But I, I will I will tell you that before this. There was a legit discussion with my wife and I as to where this was going to go. And people that know me in other aspects of my life assumed when I told them that we were going to do a talk radio show, assumed that it was going to be about politics. Huh. And I am a, a twice-failed candidate for political office. So was um, Abe
3: Lincoln.
2: So was Abe Lincoln. that's a shot, though. So. I like it. Let's leave that part out. Okay. Um. I have I have, however run or been a part of many successful campaigns. so it was interesting and during the break, Ricky and I were having a little bit of dialogue and and I think he likes me less now. I think that's what happened
3: no, I, think no, all, no. Like, I think we all I, do. I think no <laughs> the the conclusion to the conversation was parties are detrimental to our way of life in this country because people side with their party, and their parties are not always right and often wrong.
1: Well, well, Robert, is- this is what I got from the conversation, is he told you that you should become a senator or go to the state, and I'll have to agree, after listening to him, dude, we need some real humans in there. So I, I will make this got my commitment support, to you my man.
2: on the air, with without condition... I don't even care what party you run for. If you elect to run for public office at some point, and I don't care if you run for dog catcher or governor (laughs) or anywhere in between, I will, at no expense to you, work actively on your campaign at any level you ask me to. If you ask me to run the joint for you, I will.
1: And I will do your impersonation on our bumpers. <laughs>
3: nice. I just want to know if you will provide wings at the rallies.
1: Man, mm. by the time you run for office, dude, I'm gonna be out of the wings. Please, <laughs> Lord. If if
2: if we're still at the Steel Pig, we got the best barbecue okay. in the world for you. There. We got you. you. Food
3: wise, we got you hooked up, <laughs> okay. No problem. I'm I'm gonna run. Is a ABC board? Is that a elected yes? Yeah. It absolutely is. That's what I'm gonna run for.
2: I'm now you run. can start now down in Harnett County because that's county position first, right? But yeah, there's an ABC. Yeah. I, I forget what the actual title is, but absolutely.
3: Okay. Yes. I'm just kidding. But ALC. Somebody else, another guy who's a politician recently told me that, and I was like, and I was what about the you, ABC? No, no, no. About uh, he, he said I should have run for senate. I mean out of the blue, I'm like, what? But uh, and I was telling, I was telling Chris during the break uh, that my original plan, when I was a youngster, was to go to school, law school, become an attorney. Watch
2: this real quick, and then go into politics. Hold, hold, Hold on, watch this real quick. His bachelor's degree, political science. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I told you so. Uh, Boom. So I've been stalking his ass all it's, weekend. It's so funny, though. I told you. I wanted to go the law. That was Robert, my plan. Robert, just like you, my doctor has been telling me I should run all the time. <laughs> <of>
4: time. <laughs> but, right I, 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 make, that I
2: make this sincere commitment to you today. I know you well enough to know that, first of all, and this is the most important thing when I look at a politician. You are a man... That is capable of solving complex problems. Because anybody that comes into a room, and and anybody that's listening out there, left, right, or center, if you come into a room and your go to is that I am the most anything, mm-hmm. it better be smart. Right. Because if you're not, if if you come in and you want to convince me that you're the most conservative or the most liberal, I've already stopped listening. Because the the idea that the best solution to a problem is going to be the most extreme to the left or right is nonsensical to me. Correct.
3: I agree. And the fact that I know, you, know that about you is what gives me confidence. I appreciate that. You know what I've done? What's that? I've come up with a complex problem <laughs> generator. <laughs> and so you plug in the problem, and we've got all these scenarios it spits out. And then we picked the best one. Yes. Is there a link on
1: your uh, Wikipedia page?
3: It's, it's it's actually going from a Wikipedia page to a uh, launch site for my campaign. <laughs> nice. I'm gonna have. We gotta come up with a platform. Hey, what he Beautiful. doesn't know
2: is I've already gone out and bought Robert Bricky for. NC House and Robert Bricky for Senate. I've already bought those. And robertbricky.com.
1: I own the websites. I own the URL. So now so. he's backing Dave Grohl for president. Yes. And Robert Bricky Robert basically for God. You're running oh, damn, against Morgan man. Freeman now.
3: <laughs> you know...
1: You didn't think
2: that was funny as we did. No, I that's because like that's how black people think about about Morgan Freeman. He's like, hey, all of that shit was cool until you until you drop Morgan
3: Freeman. That's out of bounds, dog. Oh, I'm sorry.
1: We know Morgan has some flaws. No, he doesn't. But we, just like there's no well, golf without Tiger.
3: We just need him to narrate the commercials. Do the voiceover for the commercials.
1: Ours. I, you,
2: Can you know do what the bumpers for I could you know what for your campaign, I could probably make that happen. I from Mississippi. I I got yeah. connections. I actually legitimately might be able to make that happen.
1: Oh man, if I could ever meet Morgan Freeman, I'll die a happy man.
3: You know what I like he's got like a there blues. There were a lot of women place. that thought
2: that before he
3: Oh <laughs> <I don't>, um, <laughs> sorry. He's got like a blues place yeah. down Mississippi somewhere, doesn't he?
1: Uh, he didn't when I was there, but he may now.
3: I think he has a. Did you ever spread. have I'd that like list a
1: of uh, people you'd love to go to a bar and have a drink with? Who's number one I, on your list? Well, I had to take him off. It was Bill Cosby. Cause oh, shoot, geez. if I have a drink with Bill Cosby, I don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs>
2: number on one on your
3: list? Man. He's stupid, He's on a roll. He's stupid. You know what? That's what we should have done The top five on. Top five guys. People that we want to drink in the bar a, with. Next yeah. week. There's a, there's a lot of people. I'd have to give
1: it some thought and narrow it down. Well, my number one would have been Groucho Marx, but Jack Nicholson is probably really? right there. Dude. I'm going to
2: save mine for next week. You ask me again next week because I'm going to have to really give that some, some thought. Yeah. I, I mean, told you with with Father's Day, I'm not trying to to to, to you, gripe. I you know my dad would be somebody I'd like with. to have a uh, you know drink <coughs> with and be like, "Hey, what's up, dude?" Yeah,
4: yeah,
5: yeah.
1: <laughs> remember? <laughs> being, yeah, yeah remember. I was barely potty trained. Yeah, the last right? time we talked. Yeah, I probably peed on his bit. leg
2: last time we talked. <laughs> I don't know. So you know,
1: there was a guy that I knew that peed on uh, Jim Valvano. Yeah. <laughs> It was at a, a charity golf event. See,
2: even in his absence, he can't escape. Brandon, got one dig at you. Boom. I'm sorry. All right, Brandon. here's what I want to know. And and you know what? The World Cup, you're not going to make the cut this first week because this is going to roll into and through this, the second segment. Well, the World Cup, one
1: hour. good fact. Go ahead. That it's never happened in the World Cup. Argentina, Brazil, or Germany has never happened. None of them have a win after their first game. That's, That's never bananas. happened in the history of World Cup. None of them won. Two of them tied. Germany lost. You, wait a minute! Whoa!
2: Stop! I turned the Switzerland Brazil game off.
1: Brazil tied Switzerland. Brazil tied one one. Oh my god. And then Germany lost. I legit and, did not know uh, that. Argentina. And I thought Argentina. I was, like, up to speed 100% on the World Cup. I did not so realize. In the history of the World Cup, that's never happened before. Wow. That those three teams don't have now, a here's your, right here's now. here's your,
2: like, 30 seconds of World Cup. First of all, Ronaldo Messi, who's the best player in the world? <sniffs> Boom. After one week of this World Cup, Ronaldo. Internationally, yep. Absolutely. Boom. Yep. Now, you know, these guys are neck and neck and neck and neck and neck. I mean, they could not be any tighter as to who is that guy. Dude. In round one against Spain, Ronaldo gets a hat trick, the third goal of which is unreal, and Messi misses a PK. I, I Look, right now, add Ronaldo. Messi, you've got about three weeks to make it up. 11 shots nah, no goals what, for Messi if dude. If this is going to be your final hurrah on the international stage and you got to think this is the last time these guys are in that conversation. Messi, better get on it, dog. Yeah,
1: Ronaldo will be 37 the next time the World Cup and comes. still
2: have the best abs in the entire mm. world. My <laughs> wife actually made the statement that his leg, no matter what the exercise would be the perfect picture For a workout. You know, when they're giving a demonstration about the flexion. Doesn't matter which one, which muscle, every single one of them. That dude is ridiculous. Got me questioning my manhood, my sexuality. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. For real, for real. This dude is something else.
3: Well... I mean, considering a how much do you think they run during the course of a match? How many miles?
2: It, I mean, it depends on what position they're playing, but as much as about six and a half miles, I think Something is is here. sounds so, about right.
3: Just think of that. Your day job, you run six and a half miles. Think about the training you do prior to your day job. So, I mean, just uh, the definition you would have in your legs.
1: I mean, I'm See, sure he gets
3: in the gym. I'm sure he hits a pretty. My theory it, behind the his hat well.
1: trick, though. Two days before that match, Spain goes, Hey, we're going to put you on probation for two years to go to prison, and you owe us $18 million because of your taxes you didn't pay. So Ronaldo (laughs) was like, Oh, yeah? Here's your taxes.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Boom,
1: boom, You know what he needed in his life, though, right? He
2: needs Robert Bricky. He needed a financial advisor. That's right. To to get him straight.
1: You would have helped him say, Dude, you need to pay your taxes. Well, that's
3: not my role, but... In the context of the development of the plan, that's Look, certainly comes well, up. If, I turned if you over had my an account finances. as big as
2: Cristiano Ronaldo's personal finances, oh, yeah, yeah. I think you'd be willing to take on
3: whatever rule. Yeah, well, I, I'd like, bring in a professional.
1: You're carrying a bucket around,
3: whatever. Right, yeah. But you could whatever. still be
1: like, dude, it's April 15th, pay your taxes. Right. Or whatever day it is in I, Spain. Listen here, though. Well, okay, folks, somebody's
3: got to manage his Money, so somebody's seeing his statements. His his dad, they both got nailed because it's his
1: dad that was managing his money. That's what killed him. Well, it doesn't help too, though,
2: that Spain and Portugal are like mortal enemies, they're like rivals in everything. So, the fact that he's a Portuguese guy making all that cheese in Spain, you know, there's some animosity, right? There's some animosity, but when you got that much money, it's interesting because people like. Why didn't you pay your taxes? Do, you, do Do you know how many levels removed he is from the guy that's actually making the checks out and doing the computations <laughs> right. on that? He needs to. Uh, the The correct statement is hire somebody better, right? To do your taxes, Because yeah. somebody's got him screwed up.
3: Yep. Because th- if people of that level have a guy to manage all that, so I'm just thinking, you see the total income. You should have an idea of estimated taxes due. Yeah, spatially, you should have some you, yeah, sort of idea. Ballpark. But yes. maybe you bring in a specialist to get down to the final number. So what uh, What happened? So it's not a failure. on. Well, maybe it is, ultimately, because he's got to bring in the right people to manage his affairs. But you got to have a guy that well, says, hey, you owe 37 uh, bucks. Here's here the thing, <laughs>
2: and, and, and don't take this the wrong way because... I love everybody, white, black, or otherwise. But when it happens in the NFL or the NBA, everybody's like, well, they shouldn't hire their boys. Am I right? Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, we'll finish that on the the, other
1: side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina.
5: Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Quiero mucho todos. Decent shelter is something we all (laughs) need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today.
1: My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I got to say about that.
5: Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right,
2: so last 15 minutes of the show. And what I was saying before we went into the break was that if it's a, in America, if it's an NBA player, an NFL player, you know, the 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 assumption is, well, you know, they should hire professionals, not their entourage, their posse, their boys, whatever the case might be. And when it's a white European player, we give them a pass.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But the cat that's been running this dude's finances is his dad. Yeah. What are the chances that this soccer player's dad is at all qualified right. to handle this multi-million-dollar a year athlete?
3: Well, one of the things, one of the reasons you want to hire a professional is we have we have, we are held accountable for what transpires with your finances. I was telling Bridget last night. I said there's a thing called treble damages and prison imprisonment. So if I, if I, honestly which so, are you
2: more concerned about the imprisonment or the treble damages? So
3: let's say you write a check. There's never a situation you should write me a check personally. This is how money gets stolen. But if you do and I lose your money and I'm working for a company, I'm it's is 100 grand. Well, I have to pay you 300 grand in return and face penalties plus prison. And see average dudes with no certifications don't have to face those. No sir.
2: No, sir. What you face as a financial as a licensed financial advisor is a fiduciary obligation yes. that rolls with that and has penalties involved.
1: Yeah. Fiduciary? Yes, that's fiduciary? the wow. that's that's exactly. Right. Oh, did I get my hey. vernacular correct? That's right unbelievable. Only. The words I learned on this show. That's right. Fiduciary. Yes, a
2: fiduciary obligation. Example Your Realtor. That's your realtor does ironic. something that costs you money down the road. They had a legal fiduciary obligation to you and you can sue them, Yeah, financial advisors.
3: It really means anything that is done for the client must be in the client's best interest. So if I break that trust, then I am held accountable. Legally
1: and financially,
3: and when you're dealing with so, if you have
1: fun and become a douche, then I'm getting you. Yeah, no, you
2: went too far. There's no "n" in there to start with. (laughs) But here's the thing: is that when you're dealing with licensed professionals, it's pretty easy to identify what he could have done that would have been in my best interest and what would have not. When you're
1: dealing with some guy or your dad or whatever, that's a completely different well, animal. Well, his dad was facing prison, too, so I don't know. Maybe he's licensed. I don't know the laws in Spain. I don't right. know the tax code, any of that stuff. Hey, anybody stuff.
2: that doesn't like paying taxes in America,
3: don't move to Europe
1: Yeah. because they don't play. They're going to
3: jail over here for not paying taxes. So yeah. you would think at a bare minimum, our, our minimum obligations, you got paid, you got to pay taxes. That's...
1: That's not and even. So did he get a pass because it's Ronaldo? He didn't go to prison. Prison? Uh, who knows? Who, if that who, was who me, who knows? And I was making eighty-six million dollars a year, and I didn't pay my taxes. Would they be like, "Hey, eh, give us eighteen well, million And probably we'll some
3: ways you eight, around. Eight, eight, going to anybody
1: prison? that's making that level of money, I mean, let's look
2: at America. Let's be completely honest. If I'm making eighty-six million dollars a year and I got a tax issue at the end of the year, I'm gonna get a whole lot different treatment than if I'm the guy making fifty-five thousand dollars a right. year and I don't pay, you know, my tax bill of, you know, let's say I have a fourteen hundred dollar tax bill at the end of the year. I'm not even gonna get a phone call. I'm gonna get a letter that yeah. says, Hey big guy, you're gonna pay this with interest. Yeah, eighty-six. One percent a month.
3: You're gonna get a visit. Boom, boom, boom.
2: Yeah, eighty six million. You got a special representative dedicated <laughs> to your case. Yeah. If you're Wesley Snipes, you got a whole team right. of investigators well, dedicated went, to you. He went
3: to prison. He went yeah. to prison yeah.
2: because he just hard headed and he's like,
4: I ain't paying taxes
2: because it's unconstitutional. Okay. And his ass is in jail. What Wesley Snipes joint has come out lately? You know, he's one of those ultra. You know, income taxes is, is unconstitutional. I'm not paying. Oh, cool.
1: Right. Willie Nelson never we went go to go prison. prison. Well no 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 whoa, whoa,
2: whoa. Willie Nelson is the prime example of a guy when you have Uber Bucks of what happens. The IRS comes out and is like, Willie. Hey.
3: And and, and Willie's, Willie's like
2: alright well here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna put out an album and I'm gonna call <laughs> it the IRS tapes, and you guys can get all the money from that and I'm gonna be off the hook. And the IRS is like, All right. Hey listen. And a couple million people
3: go buy the album, and Willie Nelson's off the hook. There's some ways to massage it when you're at a high enough level, and you're willing to work with them. That's all you have to be is willing to work. Now, if you Wesley Snipes just said no, <laughs> you going to jail? You're Going to jail. The but dude from from
2: Survivor, the original winner, yeah, remember that yeah, yeah. dude, that guy? Yeah. yeah. Boom! In jail. Huh. Jail. Prison.
1: Well, he did win Survivor. Pete
2: Rose, on the other <laughs> hand, everybody survive. knows about Pete Rose's issues with Major yeah. League Baseball. They forget that dude got popped by the IRS for not claiming all that autograph yeah. income. Pete Rose ain't go to jail. I don't think.
3: No, I'm telling. If you are just willing to work, if you're defiant, not good. But they will work with you and they'll help you massage. It. They'll work with you because there's a lot of cases of people that don't pay taxes that never end up in jail. That might be a fine and a fee, but... Don't so garnish
1: your wages. Yeah, but I'd rather do that than... Yeah, uh, than go to jail.
3: Next roommate with Bubba, nah. who's uh, angry about a lot of things. Or the guy from Survivor <laughs> got daddy issues.
2: All right, guys. Here's what I want to do in the last 10 minutes or so. I want you to tell me a couple of things that you know about the 2018 nba draft we got just a couple days left for the nba draft tell me a couple things that you know
3: first of all i think this will be a really good draft i think in three to five years when they evaluate the draft some of the members of this class will be stars to superstars in three to five years
2: i agree with that a hundred percent
3: trent you
1: got anything I think that this is going to be – this draft is proven to be the comeback of the big man. Right. Because there's so much big man talent that, like you said, these stars three to five years from now. They'll have an
3: impact on the league. Yep. All
1: right. I'm going to tell you, first of all, what I I know.
2: First of all, DeAndre Ayton is the only, quote, unquote, big man that's going to have an impact out of this class.
3: You don't think Bamba? No. But I don't
2: uh, think Bamba, I don't think Robert Williams, um, or any of the other guys are Wendell Carter, Jr. Wendell Carter's not a big man. When I'm talking about big man, I'm talking about guys that are at least 6'10". Wendell Carter at 6'8", is going to play the wing, the four at best in the NBA, and NBA. he is oh, not, a big, not a big. Yeah. And that is why his game is not going to translate. And I wish Brandon was here to talk about this. I'm sure we'll hit this next week. I don't think Wendell Carter's game translates because I don't think he's quick enough and deft enough on the ball to really have an impact, and I don't think he's big enough to have a a post presence. So the big men that I'm looking at in this draft, the big three, would be Aiton, Bamba, Williams. Williams and Bamba, I think, will be defensive presences, but how many defensive presences in the post are game changers in the NBA today? Name me one.
3: Uh, Jordan. DeAndre Jordan. That's one. And did the Clippers did the Clippers make the playoffs this year? <laughs> no. I mean, you talk about a
2: one, one defensive guy that rebounds. Bart Hibbert. <laughs> boogie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> boogie. Boogie. Are you Are you kidding me? Yes. Yeah. There's there's, there's one guy. Kid. No, Boogie. Uh, okay. Boogie uh, strokes uh, what, the three at about thirty eight percent. I don't know what you're talking white about. White side? Whiteside, that's the guy we were having the conversation about. Bamba, I think, is going to be be a better shooter. Here's what I'll tell you, is that I think your upside for Bamba and for Williams is Hassan Whiteside. Right. And that's a guy that has length, has defensive presence, can get your rebounds, and maybe
1: develop some offensive game. Right. I think you'll be surprised on Bamba's shooting. There's a lot of videos coming out on his his stroke. He's a natural three-point shooter now. Okay. Watch. I'm going to tell
2: you what. If Bama can stroke the three and Dude. comes in with a 7'10 wingspan, he's an all-star next well, next see, year. I, I just don't, it don't believe year, it. But in two Here's years. the problem.
3: It's like um, Embiid. Embiid wants to be on the perimeter. And you if, take it to the block. And, and that's the
2: thing with Embiid is, is I can find a highlight video of Embiid where I'm like, oh, snap. Oh, he shoots the three. Right. If that's your offense, go there. Go right right yeah. on ahead. First of all, that. I take his ass out of the post. Exactly. Second, I'm gonna put him up there and he's hoisting up threes at 30, 31%. Cool. No I problem. Beat us. If that's what Bamba's game is, we'll we'll see. Bamba's stroke, whether or not he's enough to change spacing, I, I don't know. What I wanna see is Bamba in the post, and I know offensively he's not effective enough to be a force right now. So Bamba may be a guy, but I'm gonna stand by my by my analysis that four or five years down the road. Aiton is the only guy that's forced. And Ayton, the only reason I see him as a force is because he's so doggone athletic. Well, so one athletic. Thing I know that he can I play defense agree. from day one, but he can also, you want to give him a step, he'll get right on by
1: you. I think it's going to be two years in a row we sit here and say that the Duke players yes. should have been number one pick. And I know Trent, you agree with that. Nichols. Bagley and Robert, I know you're loving should that. should be the number
2: one. Anybody. Sitting out there that is a fan of any team in this draft, if you don't take Bagley, one, you have failed. We I, told you this about Tatum last year. You didn't listen. And if you did, I'm telling you, Bagley is the man. I'm going to disagree in this with
3: you. Go
2: ahead. The I Duke think, alum, I think eight Throwing is shade,
3: you think Aiton is? And I'll tell you why. Go ahead. The game has changed so much, so it's per, so mu, it's so, so perimeter oriented now. You can revolutionary revolutionize the game going back the other way. Wow! So if you had legitimate post president which Embiid could be if he decided to just sit he the box, it. He's, he's he's got the taste to of that like, of yeah. that nectar. But okay. Just think how effective offenses can be if I throw the ball to the post and I got to demand a double team every time. Mm-hmm. Just think how that changes. And you can get a guy to pass out of the double team. He will revolutionize the game like back to the old days. What? You taking. What? We get in a time machine. You and said, go fast. I
2: want to make sure I'm 100% clear. You said DeAndre Ayton will revolutionize
3: he, NBA basketball. Back it, to the way it, it should be. Played. Back to the way it should be. I like it. That's I mean, I, because I'm now. I don't know if he's that guy on the block yet to score, but if he
1: gets to the point, he could demand a double team. It's the birth of the big man starting oh, it's the this year. The, the, the
2: rebirth, rebirth of, of the big man. man. Ricky, you called it. I disagree with you hundred percent. I think we're too far gone. Nope. Although I do like, and I don't understand why teams like New Orleans don't dump that ball down to the post Maybe. every or time. He, or down or, or Davis every
3: time. Yes. And play inside. I watched uh, Houston when they had the Twin Towers on the throwback game. (laughs) Every play down the ball, it was not even a thought of taking a shot. You threw it in the route, Samson, or Elijah. Not even a thought of running your offense without touching the post. Wow.
2: The other thing I know, don't believe the hype. Trey Young not going top ten. I know it for certain He's write it bust. down. Love bust. you guys. You've been listening to from the cheap seats. We'll see you I'm next listening week.
5: Listening to Chris DeLambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.
1: Oh man,
4: I ain't trying not to drink early today. I but.